Hey everybody, when you hear that music, you know it's time for another episode of On the Lighter Side of Baseball. And if there was anything that is a great day to celebrate, it's today, June 20, 2023, the day that our good buddy David Earl Nelson, Nelly, old Nelly would be 79 years old, five-year anniversary, and the Brewers Bless their hearts are continuing to honor his legacy. Uh, the Dave Nelson Humanitarian Award will be given out today at Miller Park before the game against the Arizona Diamondbacks. Uh, we are going to be at the game tomorrow, starting the uh, celebration of the uh, 80th year of uh, Dave Nelson. So yeah, we're going to miss the celebration. They continue to support Nelly's uh, uh, open arms. Uh, dream that he had along with Bob Solis, uh, to continue supporting Open Arms Home for Children in Kumga, South Africa. And, uh, the dream goes on. And, uh, if you had a chance to uh, be on the property at Open Arms, you would uh, certainly feel the presence of Dave Nelson from the grotto to a number of the buildings that are named after Davey. And, uh, you know, the, the kids are getting, uh, to the point where some of them probably don't remember. Nelly, but that's just the way it is. Life goes on, and then it doesn't. So anyway, uh, we honor him today. Uh, we think about his brother Dominic, uh, you know, who's a priest out in uh, Oregon, and uh, various relatives and friends, man, they're all weighing in. The, the Murphs of the world, uh, the popcorn salesman from Comiskey Park days, who prominent attorney now, so he's not a popcorn guy now, good friend of Dave's. Uh, Tommy, our buddy, uh, from Chicago, who met Dave at uh, Ajo Al's and in a uh, trip down memory lane in Scottsdale, Arizona. They roomed together when Dave was with the uh, Oakland A's, and uh, he had a distinguished career. And Nelly uh, didn't toot his own horn, but he certainly had a wonderful legacy that he left behind, and a lot of good friends and a lot of people that uh, still remember him and, and think of him uh, every day. I know I do, and I know a lot of people do in a good way. So that's good. I may dwell on uh, Nelly's stories a little bit too frequently uh, in some people's attitude, but that's just the way it is. If you look in my <coughs> office at home slash museum, a ton of Dave Nelson, uh, a lot of Dave Nelson baseball cards. I've got some, you know, spectacular baseballs autographed by the likes of Kurt Flood, uh, by the likes of Al Kaline, Brooks Robinson, Willie Stargell, Brooks, you know, on and on and on and on and on. I've got about seven or eight balls, Hank Aaron, that personalized baseballs to Dave and it sort of memorialized uh, the great feelings that people had about Dave. I mean, the uh, baseballs uh, from the Brooks Robinsons of the world, the Kirk Floods of the world, the Al Kalines of the world, the Willie Stargells of the world, these were not just random autographs, they were long messages uh, memorializing their feelings for Dave and what Dave meant to them. And uh, he meant uh, a lot to a lot of people, uh, always had a good outlook, always had a good approach. You know, baseball was always number one. He could talk baseball till the cows came home, but he could also, he could, he, as those friends of Nellie's know, he could segue into hours and hours of talking about wine. He knew more about wine than I venture to say 
90% of the sommeliers in the world, if that's the way to pronounce sommelier, wine guys at restaurants, that was Nelly. And uh, he loved to cook. He loved to drink, loved to cook, loved baseball. What, what else is there? Um, besides some of the uh, good relationships that Nelly had with lots of different people. And it's been fun today to kind of uh, look back and uh, and reflect on, on Dave because uh, I do. And, and a lot of people do. And, um, you know, next year, another celebration. And some of his buddies are promising to rendezvous at uh, Miller Park, now called American Family Field, for uh, whatever uh, day the brewers have that's close to uh, Nellie's birthday on June 20th. So that is it. Uh, he was not only a spectacularly good Major League Baseball player for 10 years, ending his career prematurely because of a couple injuries, most significantly running into Lenny Randall when Randall was playing, I believe, center field and Nelly was playing second base and there was a pop-up behind second base. Nelly never heard Lenny call him off, went for the ball, damn near died on the way to the hospital, survived, but uh, that was basically uh, the beginning of the end of the Dave Nelson Major League Baseball career but only the beginning of looking forward to when he was um, a coach, director of minor league operations for the Oakland Athletics, a coach with the Cleveland Indians, a coach with the Milwaukee Brewers, and also his broadcasting career, which occupied the broadcast booth at Wrigley Field, along with Dwayne Stats, a good friend of Dave Nelson's and a good friend of ours. And uh, broadcast alongside Harry Carey. And uh, unbeknownst to Nelly back then, uh, Harry thought the world of Nelly and uh, got him a job after he left the coaching ranks prematurely as a result of Mike Hargrove firing him uh, to become a broadcaster along with, in the Cleveland booth with Tom Hamilton, another Top five broadcaster of all time in my book, along with Dwayne Stats and uh, Harry Carey and uh, none other than, um, you know, there's only really the primo, primo of all times is Uke and a good friend of Dave's. And we've reflected a lot about that. They, you know, Nelly didn't, he, he was interesting. I mean, we, we spent a lot of time together, but man, I, you know, didn't we didn't dwell on a lot of things. I didn't, you know, hang around him all that much because I had my own life and he had his own life. But he was super good friends with a lot, a lot of people, whether they were famous or not famous. It didn't matter today who they were or what they did. Um, he had a, a nose for sniffing out baseball talent, uh, as is evidenced by our venture called Pro Sports Inc. when we uh, together represented oh about 20 guys in uh, mostly in the White Sox organization, but also with Montreal and with Kansas City. Um, he, you know, would pick out people for us to try to represent. And let me just go back. And although um, it didn't work out financially for us because some of these folks, good folks, but they chose to go with a more traditional agent. That's the way it goes. But I mean, not only 
did he understand and relate to the prospects? You know, and in baseball, the minor leagues, each team has two or three prospects and then a bunch of guys that have to be on the field for the prospects to move up. And occasionally, somebody who's drafted down the line uh, was missed by all these scouts and moves up the ranks. And there are a lot of examples. Brett Saberhagen taken in the 11th round, Mattingly taken way down in the draft. Um, guys in the Hall of Fame that were um, taken at the end of the day, like uh, the catcher for the Dodgers and the Mets, um, Tommy Lasorda's nephew. And, um, you know, they miss it. So anyway, here's Nelly. He he picks up, recommends, and we sign the likes of Ron Karkovice, John Cangelosi, Kenny Williams. And these guys were all studly prospects. But then we also, Nelly would go, hey, you know, uh, this kid Bobby Thigpen looks like he'd be a pretty good pitcher. And uh, he's up in Niagara rooming with this guy, Randy Velarde. And so, you know, <laughs> I went up. I visited a lot of minor league baseball in, in those days because we represented our guys and we didn't just, you know, take the guys that we thought were going to get to the major leagues. We had 20 guys and we all, we thought all of them would get to the major leagues, but only a few did. And that's understandable. But so I go up to visit Dick Penn and, and he signs with us. Now, this guy named Randy Velarde says, Hey, you know, I want to sign with you guys too. And I go, <laughs> well, I just, I can't take any more guys. We've got 20 guys and we're booked. And, uh, of course, Viggy, uh, whose father was a uh, CEO of Florida Light and Power, I do believe, and ultimately negotiated a long-term contract directly with the chairman, my friend Jerry Reinsdorf, which, understandable. Anyway, so we get a Viggy, we helped him get a winter ball job uh, when Ken Harrelson, believe it or not, was the general manager of the um, White Sox. The same general manager who sat fired this assistant general manager because he just didn't think that he had anywhere to go. And that general manager uh, in training was none other than David Dombrowski. And yes, Mr. Dombrowski uh, probably has been a general manager slash president of baseball operations for about 40 years. And Kenny Harrelson was it for about 40 days. So uh, kindly, Mr. Reinsdorf kept Dombrowski employed until he found a job with the Montreal Expos as their general manager, as I recall. And back in the day, um, for a few of those guys, probably over the course of a couple seasons, Dombrowski and I negotiated, I don't know, 50 minor league contracts and saying negotiation in those minor league contracts is crazy because they're, <laughs> okay, you go to AA, you get $500 a month. And you, what do you want to negotiate about? Well, I just thought I would come up here and, Talk to you about my man, Michael Soper, who is a stud and going to be in the major leagues. Okay, well, Soaps is going to Glens Falls, New York, double A, and he's making 500 bucks a month. And that, you know, you want him to make 550? Maybe we could squeeze that out. Oh, yeah, that'd be great. I could tell him I made him an extra 50 bucks for six months times 50. That's, uh, what, $300. There you go, man. Soaps is uh, another interesting great guy, <clears throat> as all our guys were good guys. Soaps got traded to the Yankees the year after the strike in 19, I don't know when, 
just tried to nail a mosquito here up in Wisconsin, where it's the national or the state bird is a mosquito. <laughs> I'm sure that's an original joke. Anyway, uh, Soaps gets traded. Steinbrenner loved him. Uh, and anyway, so the, the Sox traded Soper, shortstop, with all the problems of the world, to the Yankees. The year of the strike, and they reduced – this is the year when they reduced the rosters from 25 men to 24 and Soaps was the odd man out. So he, uh, you know, he was a 25th guy on a 24-man roster and is shipped out to uh, the Yankees AAA team. And uh, uh, Barry Foote was a manager, and Barry Foote and Soaps really didn't see eye to eye. But be that as it may, uh, Soaps, though, for a ball, tore his arm. End of the story. Uh, Soaps now is a prominent scout uh, for a major league team, and uh, as is Rolando Pino, another guy that Nelly wanted to sign. And we signed these guys, and we took care of them. And then, you know, the guys that made it into the major leagues fired us, and the guys that didn't kind of just went away. Um, another fun story is Alfornia Jones. Dave got this guy, and uh, I've told the Al Jones story a long time with Alcorn State. He was the minor league player of the year in A ball, I think, which is no easy feat. He had like 28 saves without any, without blowing a save. And Al came up and down with the White Sox. He saved Tom Seaver's first three American League victories. You can look at the box scores. Tom Seaver's win, Al Jones save. <clears throat> so Jonesy. On that 85th day, my good friend Roland Heeman sent him down so that the White Sox could save five grand. Those, those were the different days, you know. Those were the different days economically in baseball. But be that as it may, Roland, great guy. He, you know, it's, it wasn't. I don't think he did it to save Mister Rhymes for a five grand. I think he did it for a lot of reasons that he thought were good. We're opening up a roster spot for somebody else that came back. I don't know. Next year, Al goes to spring training, doesn't give up a run, comes up with a big team. And in Boston, uh, he's hitting fun goes to everybody. And at the time, uh, they stop the pregame practice. It's raining. He goes, slips on the timber over the, at the dugout, visitors dugout at Fenway, grabs the upper roof with his right arm, tears the muscles in his arm, but doesn't tell anybody. Goes to the bullpen, warms up a couple times. It's 40 degrees. It's drizzling in Boston in April. Gets the call to come in and pitch in the uh, uh, bottom of the eighth inning. And he strikes out with the bases loaded. Jim Rice, Tony Armas, and Dewey Evans, man. I mean, Rice, Armas, Evans strikes him out. Sacks get a run in the ninth. Somebody goes in, gets a save. Jonesy gets a win, never pitched again. And uh, that was that. So... These are some of the good memories in the uh, in the not so great uh, world of pro sports Inc. Uh, anyway, my good memories continued through the Milwaukee years after Ed Yost fired him. Ned Yost. Ed Yost was a good guy. Ned Yost. I don't know. You know, Larusa, Hargrove, and Yost fired the best base running coach in the history of the game. You can. You can argue with me all you want, 
but from Alomar to Posednik, do you name it? Jerry Dibzinski. Nelly, Nelly was a great base running coach, great first base coach, great student of the game, wrote books about it, did everything. And then he was fortunate enough to be teamed with, uh, with my good buddy and his partner, Craig Kashan. And Craig has just weighed in uh, to the show with a little note in memory of Dave. He goes, man, oh, man, you know, we talked about my buddy who found, you know, had a Nelly sighting in Michigan. And Craig goes, wow, three, uh, five years have passed. It's unbelievable how time flies and those good memories live on. And we're going to hopefully uh, do a podcast with Craig tomorrow um, at Ward's House of Prime. We'll see. Never usually works out after a bottle of wine, but we'll see, especially when it's George Thomas Seaver, 2015 vintage. Anyway, <clears throat> that's it on Nelly. I could go on for the whole show. We're going to do a short show because we're here at the lake in Wisconsin and uh, the weather's nice, and i got to get out there on the water. It, no, I'm not going to kayak. I'm going to probably drive around in a pontoon boat like old people do. Um, but I am going to give uh, Brother Dominic a call and a few more of Davey's relatives. I never called the guy Davey. None of his friends called him Davey. But he was Davey, uh, the Davey Nelson Golf Tournament, the Davey Nelson da-da-da-da-da, the mayor of Milwaukee, the mayor of the parking lot, and uh, the guy that everybody loved, uh, the guy that – Spent hours talking to Mick Jagger, hours talking to Paul McCartney, weeks with the New Zealand America's Cup yacht team. Everywhere he went, the guy was like, everybody wanted to be with Dave Nelson. Pretty funny. Pretty funny. So anyway, that's the story. On baseball's front, the uh, Brewers have got a little streak going, but how about a couple surprise teams? Number one. The Cincinnati Reds in the National League Central Division have climbed three games over 500. They've won nine in a row. They go for their longest streak in forever today, and they are playing the woefully horrible. Um, who are they playing? They're playing a team that they can easily beat. It's not the Royals. It's not the A's. Um, it's somebody that they beat yesterday. And, oh, the Rockies. Oh, my God. You know, moved to Las Vegas. The Rockies, the A's, the White Sox, the the um, the Royals, uh, the, the 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 Cardinals. <laughs> These are teams that have taken a dive, and it's good to see. Now we're at the thirty-three mile on a hundred mile trip. The season's about a third of the way old. The Cubs are on fire. Now, why? I don't know, because they're all healthy. Their starting pitching's coming back. Uh, Kyle Hendricks has had a couple good turns. Uh, Smiley is pitching pretty good. Steele came back. He's pitching pretty good. And the show is alive and well. Now, here's a guy they love. They're going, oh, my God, uh, the, the Cubs need to sign him to a long-term deal. He's great. The show is great. The fans love him. He's got a little, you know, flair in his game. This is the same guy. Same guy who didn't win a game at Wrigley Field until the end of September 2022. So is the show what's going to happen for the next three or four years? The guy's 33, I think. Um, I'd sign him. I'd sign Bellinger. I would sign him right away. And this guy, Chalkman, who I probably bashed 
You know, three weeks ago, it was like hitting over 300 center fielder. It's great. The Cubs, you know, are entertaining the Disney fans that show up at Wrigley Field every day. And I mean, 35 to 38,000 fans wanting to watch a video of Harry Carey saying, take me out to the ball game. Forget the head coach of the Eastern Illinois, whatever they are. We want to see Harry. And uh, by God, it's a party at Wrigley. So um, the Cubs have two more games in Pittsburgh. If they can win one of those two, as I said, if they take two out of three from the Orioles and they go on the road and take two out of three from Pittsburgh, then maybe, just maybe, they won't. Do they have anybody to sell this Trotman guy is playing pretty good? Hap is Hap. Some guys love him. Some guys don't. I really don't. Simo, uh, the best nickname left in baseball, Simo. Uh, Christopher Morell is on fire for Wago. And uh, that is really good for the Cubs. So they got to get rid of Masto Bueno. They got to get rid of, you know, Wisdom, man, goes on the IL with a sprained wrist. I hope it's a wrist and not kind of a, hey, man, we can either designate you for assignment or you can go on the IL. Oh, I think my wrist really hurts. So good. Good choice. Go on the IL. Guy's a home run machine, but the machine isn't working too good right now. And so when the machine ain't working, man, curveball down, curveball down, curveball. He looks like Alfonso Soriano. Dude, he can't lay off of that slider down, slider down, slider down. Anyway, you know me, I got to pick on the weakest stuff while the Cubs are putting up seven, eight, nine, ten runs against the Pirates, who, when the Cubs beat them last week, were in first place. Now the Reds have taken over first place by half game over the Brew Crew, who got their butts kicked by the unbelievably surprising Arizona Diamondbacks, who we ripped last year as the laugh of baseball with their owner just doing nothing. Well, jokes on me again. And that is that the Snakes at the one-third were probably at the third furlong of the Kentucky Derby. And at the third furlong, uh, suffice it to say, the Snakes are on fire, man. And Galen goes tomorrow, and we're going to see him pitch. I'm looking forward to seeing Galen pitch. I wish Woodruff would come back for the Brewers. The Brewers pitching staff has been a bit decimated, and Burnsy got his lights lit up last night. Ouch, Aruda. Uh, man, oh, man, this uh, this Corbin. No, who is it that uh, uh, Burns and Allen or whoever that dude is for the – I should know his name since I'm a prominent – podcaster on spotify apple itunes and uh soundcloud but um corbin allen maybe that might be his name i know he's got something in common with the pitcher corbin burns so this little allen dude man he's got 15 or 16 homers 25 stolen bases stolen bases are up homers are up the ball's juiced the runs are coming in all over baseball quicker games higher scoring games it's gonna be fun down the stretch, if the D-backs are in it, if the Cubs are in it, if the crew is in it, if the Giants are in it, if the uh, Reds are in it, if anybody but the Mets and the Yankees and the Dodgers are in it, it's going to be great. So anyway, yeah, I'm fired up. I think we're going to actually have some fun baseball coming up. How about Joey Votto coming back? I mean, does any Cub fan like Joey Votto? No. Do they hate him? Probably a little but not like they used to hate Brian, Ryan Braun or some of these other guys. Um, and so here's Vado. He's 39, okay? 
When he was 36, he was the oldest guy to hit a home run in his return after coming off an injury. 36. He did it again last night at the age of 39. He was the oldest guy to come back off the IL and hit a home run in his first game back. I mean, and there's some there's some good, good hitting going on. I think the ball's juiced. Do I have any evidence? Of course I don't. I just say what I say. And I you know, I say it with I think the ball is a flying out of here. These guys are swinging downtown. The bats must be harder. The balls are harder. And the pitchers, you know, if you've got an ERA under three, you're doing pretty well. So things are rocking along. The Reds are on fire. The Rangers are on fire. The Angels are playing pretty good baseball. It's good enough. If they keep it up, they'll get in the playoffs with the guy that everybody thinks is a great, maybe the greatest player since Babe Ruth, Lou Gehrig, and Ty Cobb. And that is show, show me the money. Shohei Atani. Um, you know, Mike Trout's taking a back, 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 back seat to Otani. The guy pitches good. He hits great. And oh, there ain't too many guys that are going to play Major League Baseball that do both that well, or at all, or at all. So you've got that. you got the stolen bases. You've got, you know, the um, Cardinals just caving. The White Sox can't get out of their own way. I, I continue to tell you that, and I, I, I don't like the Cardinals, but I think they're going to get their act together. And... um you know, when they played the Cubs a couple of weeks ago and they beat the Cubs soundly, I thought this is the beginning of their big run, but uh, not so. Um, you know, Wilson Contreras isn't doing it for them, and uh, they're they're kind of uh, parallel to the White Sox. Both were picked to win the central divisions of their respective leagues, and uh, neither did it. So... I don't know. I still believe the White Sox are going to win the division. They're not that far behind. And uh, the problem is between three of their stars, Moncada, Jimenez, and um, Luis Robert Jr., um, one of them's on the I.L. all the time. I, I, I bet you if you counted the games they all started in the last three years, maybe 50? I mean, Mr. Reinsdorf needs to hire a better trainer. I don't know what the deal is. But these guys are hurt all the time. Now, Moncada's out again. Jimenez just came back. Luis Robert, man, he's a hitting machine. And Vaughn's having a good year. And and on and on and on. Tim Anderson's kind of having an okay year. Um, I don't get it with the White Sox. I really don't. You know, LaRusso's gone. They should be winning. The old man is on the sidelines and just where he should be. But um, will the Sox have enough to come back? I think they will. I'm continuing to... uh, be strong on the Chicago White Sox and the Chicago Cubs, and maybe they'll face each other in the World Series in 2023. How about that? Maybe the Cubs would be a buyer. Maybe they'll go out and get somebody to pitch because the $64 million they paid to Tyon is going by all. If you could dump Tyon to anybody and not have to pay a salary, I'd do it. The guy's batting practice was Nooski. Eh. So they've got a couple kids that are supposedly ready for the major leagues. They can pitch. And how about Azalea? He's uh, shoring up the bullpen, coming in for saves. And Rossi, one thing about Rossi, man, if you have success, he doesn't exploit it. You know, because, like, Azalea will save a few games, and then uh, that'll be it. So, anyway, 
that's it. We're going to wrap it up. It's been a fun day, and uh, hopefully we'll be back to you uh, next uh, tomorrow with a little more Nelly talk with uh, Craig Kishan. And until then, get them straight, stripe them down the middle, get out on the water, and uh, we will see you later. Hey, once again, we're back. Now, we did that first half of the uh, of the episode of On the Lighter Side of Baseball, and now we're back after a bit of a break, rather long break, maybe the longest break in the history of On the Lighter Side of Baseball. But we uh, traveled down from uh, Eagle River, Land of Lakes area, Big Portage Lake, to Miller Park, also known as American Family Field. And uh, we... Wanted to talk a little bit about Nelly on his uh, birthday and the day that his 80th year would have begun. And so we uh, took the drive down to beautiful Miller Park. I can't call AmFam Field. I just can't. And uh, we had just a good time other than watching a really, one really bad team that had previously been good going in the wrong direction. And then a really bad team that now is good going in the right direction. How about that? So again, we were treated uh, as we were when uh, Nelly was doing his pregame and postgame show or being a coach for the Brewers to a premium parking spot and uh, tickets for my wife and a couple friends. And we had a great time. Uh, at the game, had a little spotted cow. Um, I am directionally challenged, and so it took quite an act to get to the uh, players and press parking lot. But I ultimately got there and parked in a spot that was just good enough for Mr. Antanasio. I mean, it was a re- he's the head of the club. I don't think he ever goes to the games, but uh, if he does, my apologies. He's not there a lot. Anyway, the uh, highlight of the game, other than seeing Craig on the set with his uh, co-host Vinny uh, and their producer-director, who um, I've known forever, with Nelly. Cecilia, you're breaking my heart. You're tearing my... Anyways... Great lady, great set. My man Jesse, who was a cameraman forever, now he is with the NFL, uh, lugging a camera around. And uh, so Jesse wasn't there, so that was too bad. But got to see him, got to see some of the guys at the gate that, you know, love Nelly. Everybody loved Nelly. And uh, so we started with the spotted cows. Very good. Uh, a couple people had some summer shanty. Not bad. That was good. I, I was surprised. I was really thirsty. It was a long drive down. And uh, we only had cans. They didn't have it on draft at Miller Park. So I had a can or two of Spotted Cow when we got there, just to kind of wet my whistle and get ready for um, the game. Seats were great, thanks to the Brewers, thanks to Craig Kishan. Ninth row, between home and first. Couldn't beat it. Couldn't beat it. They're exactly where my seats are at Wrigley Field, interestingly enough. I almost 
Exactly. Although I think one of two things. Well, let me preface this, but I am I am not svelte, and my Joe DiMaggio diet doesn't always last past the first half a day. But either the seats at Miller Park are incredibly small, or the occupants of the seats are incredibly large. Now, there were, let me say this with the confession that I'm right there with everybody in Wisconsin that seems to thrive on cheese curds, beer, and more cheese. Big, big people. And I felt like I, maybe I was Jesse Owens. I was, I could, I could lap these people quickly. They're slow and big and friendly. Let me add that friendly people. I mean, the guards and the security people and the traffic and the parking lot people couldn't be nicer at Miller Park. And the tailgating is, you know, it's not Kansas City, but it's okay. They think it's great. Um, it's it's interesting. The location of the field is such that a lot of people don't want to pay for parking. So they park kind of on the highway and just leave their car. And it's apparently sanctioned. So after the game, you know, it's a little hard to get out because there's a traffic jam due to the fact that people haven't moved their cars. It's kind of funny. But they announced 31,000. Reminding me of our days in Omaha. They no more had 31,000 people at that game. Then again, I'm going to run a four-minute mile. I'm not, not going to run a marathon. No, I'm barely lucky to get out of my seat in the ninth row and walk up the stairs. They're, I mean, it's like it's like uh, the ballpark in in Houston. You know, they, they cut it out of the ground, and so you have to go down to good seats, and then when you have to leave, you go up a long ways. Need to be in better shape if I was a Brewer fan. Anyway, let's talk about the Brewers going in the wrong direction. God, dog. You know, they've got nobody. It's unbelievable how they basically cut ties with their president, general manager, Stearns, brought in another one, and she isn't doing a very good job, in my opinion. Now, I'm one fan. What do I know? You know, I... I said the Cubs suck, and now they've won nine out of ten or whatever. So, I, you know, I know more than the average bear, but the average bear doesn't know much about baseball because he's out uh, getting berries in the woods. Have not seen a bear yet this uh, this spring up in uh, Land Lakes, but I plan on seeing at least two bears and then going to a bears game because the bears are going to be, mm, I don't know. Anyway, back to the... Uh, Back to the plight of the Brewers. Oh, my God. And then you had Craig Council in there, and it's like having a tooth pulled without Novocaine. They still use Novocaine. He's still, you know, they were losing. They were out of it. I mean, Gallon was pitching a guy. I've never seen him pitch before. Last year, the Rockies were the laughing stock. I ridiculed them. I ripped them because they weren't putting any money into anything. Well, apparently, what do I know? They made a trade, and all of a sudden – They've got a bunch of good players and some good pitching. I mean, not only do they, I mean, just as the, uh, they're, they're 46 and 30. They're almost at the halfway point of the season. And they are 
16 games over 500 at a 605 clip compared to the biggest payroll in baseball the New York Mets are 34 and 40 13 and a half games back of the Atlanta Braves isn't that weird I mean uh we're going to be challenged with the Uretsky algorithm that predicts that of the top 10 payrolls, seven will make the playoffs. 70% of the top payrolls on my algorithm make it. And so if the, if the season ended today, the Atlanta uh, Braves are probably in the top 10. The Diamondbacks are not. The Cincinnati Reds are in first place in the miserable Midwest Central Division, and they are 40 and 35. Their last 10 games, they've, they're 10, they've won 11 in a row. One more, and it'll be like a record that was going from the 50s. Now, if I had a big time editing staff, I only have a producer, I would edit out that last part where I took a giant lengthy drink of my power formula that gets me through the podcast. I can't divulge what that power formula is until I can sign them to a sponsorship agreement. And when I do, then we will uh, divulge the power formula that I just consumed because it gets me going and I've got new energy now to keep, keep going. The um, San Francisco Giants have a 10-game winning streak. Go figure, man. Jock Peterson goes back over there, and now all of a sudden, I mean, the Cubs took two out of three. should have swept them, and now, boom, as soon as the Cubs leave, they're a new team. The Marlins uh, probably would make the playoffs. They're a low, low low-level team. The Dodgers, big payroll. They're 41 and 33. They're not going to go anywhere. And um, the Padres are horrible. Pittsburgh is fading. The Mets are terrible. The Cardinals are terrible. The Nationals are bad. And the Rockies are, you know, moved to Las Vegas. And then in the American League, you've got Tampa Bay, low, low payroll, 52 and 25. You know, it's been a long time since I've seen a team um, double up. Two thirds wins on that, but they're they're getting to that point. Um, that'd be a pretty good clip. Texas, they're almost eight. They're eighteen games over five hundred, and then the Midwest. In the Midwest, the White Sox are bad, but uh, they're only five and a half games out. I think. Wow, unbelievable. I mean, let's check the Midwest Central divisions of each league. Uh, the Reds have. Surge to the top. The run differential, their opponents have scored 14 more runs. The Brewers, 26 more runs. The Cubs are the only team in the Central Division of the National League that have a positive run differential. Now let's flip down to the Central Division of the American League, and there's only one team with the run differential that's positive, and that's the Twins. And Kansas City, 118 in the hole. 
I mean, my royals are sadly pathetic. Pathetic. Oh my God. John Sherman. What? Did you buy the team so you could get money when the major league expands? Really serious, Mr. Sherman. Let's talk. Let's summon in Kansas City. One of my buddies, Davis, his last name won't be known, or Paul, or Billy, or anybody in Kansas City, shoot this to Mr. Sherman and ask him to call me. You guys have my number. Ask him to call me and and make me the general manager and give me $100 million to do it. You know, why don't you get my home to be your partner if you're not going to use any of his money? Or anybody's money. Oh, you've got sites on downtown? That ship sailed 50 years ago. And I don't think it's going to come back. But, you know, that may be your dream. But why did you spend a billion dollars and then get the team? Now, people say, oh, they've got a pretty good organization. They're going to be good next year, two years, three years. This window stuff, don't buy into the window. Don't buy into the small market window. Well, in a couple years, we're going to have our window. And in our window, that's when we can really put it all together and maybe get a wild card spot. Good God, what's wrong with everybody? I guess as long as they're making money, they the only thing I can think of is they don't care. You spend a billion, that's... In my, I think that's $100 million. So let's say that your debt service, if you had debt service, was 10%. Now, by my math, that's you got to make $10 million just to break even. You got to be $10 million in the red, okay? Or the black or the blue. What? You got to make a lot of money. You're not doing it. With what you're doing. I mean, somebody, please go back and get God only. I mean, I hate to say this. Call John Sherrill's. Beg him to come back. Call Theo. He doesn't have a job. Beg him to come to Kansas City. I can't believe I'm saying this stuff. There are definitive ways to win, especially in the Central Division, and you aren't I don't know what you're doing. You've won 20 games in the first half of the year. Oh, my land. I dare to say no Royals team has ever been that hopelessly, pathetically, pitifully non-competitive. You season ticket holders are being spit upon. Yeah, you're spitting on these guys. Because you won't go out and get somebody that knows how to run a baseball team. Well, you know, we had a pretty good organization with Dayton. And Dayton put together a good team. And we're just bringing those guys up to the top. Well, let me tell you, the Titanic probably had a pretty damn good crew too. But one guy didn't know how to navigate around an iceberg. And you guys are pathetic. Oh, my God. I love the Royals. Two World Series in a row, 2015, 2016, 2014 and 2015. Sorry, the Cubs. <laughs> Come on, yeah. 
Yaz, my nickname, my old nickname, Yaz. The Cubs won the World Series in 16, the Royals in 15, and in 14, the Royals were there and lost to, I believe, Bumgarden and the uh, Giles. And in 15, they beat the Mets, Wade Davis and the power bullpen. Come on, there are guys out there you can go get. God, go get Lance Lynn and Wade Miley from the White Sox and the, be a buyer at the deadline. Shock everybody. Keep Wit happy. Oh, my land. You, you give away, you know, Ben Attendee. Salvi's getting old. You guys are friggin' at the bottom of the hull of a ship that's sinking. Not good. Not good. What are you doing, really? A billion on the team. And you go, eh, we'll come around someday. I'm sorry, Mr. Sherman. You need Peabody. Now, that's a reference to Sherman and Peabody from the Rocky and Bullwinkle show. Peabody knew it all. You need to find a Peabody, Mr. Sherman. Or watch Rocky and Bullwinkle. I do a pretty mean Bullwinkle imitation. But, you know, that's that's me. I imitate Bullwinkle, and you bought a Major League Baseball club. You know, you've got a average broadcast team. I mean, I don't even know if Danny Matthews is. I'm not going to get it. I, I, I'm sorry. I'm not going to get into the personalities of, of that you surround your team with. Suffice it to say, you need help. You need help. Get Joe Madden to manage, get Theo to run the team, and get a team out there. It can be, oh, you don't, why would you say that? Why would you say, why would you say you don't care? Or your actions seem to indicate you don't care. Um, I don't know. I don't get it. I don't get it with anybody. There is no such thing as a small market. There is this window stuff. Uh, we got a window. We, you know, the Cubs decimated their team because, well, the window we came a little earlier. The general manager of the, uh, or the president, whatever, the guy that runs the Diamondbacks. Well, we're a little ahead of the time. That's not, you know, fans don't want to hear that. One year, one half a season, they have a good start. And now he's going, well, we may have gotten here a little early. That's a bad sign. It was a bad sign for Javi Baez, a bad sign for, uh, Chris Bryan, a bad sign for Rizzo, bad sign for Schwarber, bad sign for Kimbrell, bad sign for Castellanos, a bad sign, a bad sign, a bad sign, man. And so it's like the stupidity of Colorado where they let Arenado go because he wants too much money, and then they go get Chris Bryan and give him the same amount of money. It's stupid. It's the same thing the Cubs did with um, with Caratini. Now, you know, everybody, well, he can't frame a pitch. Framing pitches is cheating. It makes me sick to watch these umpires get duped by these catchers. Call the pitch when the ball hits the glove, not where the catcher. <laughs> now, okay, you're saying I'm getting grumpy. I'm not. My Cubs, I hate to be possessive. You know, when they were like 20 games below 500, I wasn't so possessive. Those crummy Cubs, worst roster ever. Get rid of that Jed Hoyer. He doesn't know anything. Ricketts could care less. He's making money. He's opening a new gambling facility. He doesn't care. Well, that's true. But 
they have recently come to life with the return of Kyle Hendricks and his ability at 88 miles an hour to fool major league teams for eight for five innings. And the Stroh show, I guess he's healthy. Maybe, you know, he was uh, the same guy last year, but with injuries, not so good. Uh, the Stroh show is alive. And uh, the Stroh show is heading to London Bridges falling down, falling down. London, the home of the pitch. Now the pitch is two things. The windup and the 2-2 pitch. Or Man- Manchester United on the pitch. The pitch is a field. Uh, wow, how they get that got me. In my life, the pitch is something that Nolan Ryan threw at 100 miles an hour. Not a field. Not a field of dreams. How about the pitch of dreams? Would Kevin Costner have made a movie called The, the Pitch of Dreams? Of course not. Well, who would do that? The pitch of dreams. On our pitch, the players that died are going to come through the cornfield and play again. Oh, well, anyway. So back, I I digress. My show should be the lighter side of a digression. But anyway, so we went to the ball game. We saw Craig Council make, I don't know, 10 pitching changes. Give me a break. No wonder their bullpen sucks. Number one, they've gotten rid of everybody except for – Devin Williams and the only and he's their closer now, but that doesn't happen very often because they get tanked all the time. And I mean beaten that wadowed in the tanked, however you want to call it. They they they're not very good. Bullpen's I think pretty bad. It's it's like Hoyer. They think they can get rid of the bullpen, trade them off, get some piece that will never pitch for never be on the roster, and then you know, they're going to go out and get uh, new guys the next year. They, they must think it's the most interchangeable part of an, of an engine called Major League Baseball roster. Anyway, Miller Park's great. Roof was open. I had, now, now we're getting to the important thing because I've still got to go to three or four more ballparks before the end of the year and uh, get that done. So my food sampling besides the spotted cow, was a brat. And I would say compared to the brats that I grill, I boil them in beer, spotted cow. I add Vidalia onions, not to be confused with the baseball minor league team in Visalia, California. I put onions in the water. I add spotted cow. I boil them for until it brings to a solid boil, I turn it off. I let them steam a little bit. Then I take them off and I throw them on the grill. And they're Johnsonville brats. Unbelievably great. Not being modest, great. Write that recipe right to, on the lighter side of baseball and we'll set you up. We'll even send you a dozen Johnsonville brats because they are so much better than anything else. Then I decided the brat was kind of mediocre. Actually, I had two brats. <laughs> Don't tell my wife. Had two brats, had another cow, and then while I was waiting for my buddy to get a hamburger or whatever the hell he got, I got a Johnsonville 
Italian sausage. Man, oh man, oh man. It was really good. Really good. I'd give that a seven. I'd give that a seven. Um, Miller Park has great, they have a great system. And the Cubs have adopted it. You get in the line and you weave through the line like Disneyland and then you get up to the place and you get a, you know, it's orderly. It's not some sneaky guy. You know, we've all seen him. Whether it's a, waiting to get into a theater, waiting to get into a concert, or waiting to get into something, or in the line for this or that. There's always somebody that wants to sneak in, be a little pushy person, and sneak into the front of the line, cut in, and uh, then act like, oh, geez, sorry, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. They've eliminated that with these ropes. Kind of, that's cool. All right. Italian sauce is really good. Okay, so we did that. Uh, saw the game. This little um, Corbin, whatever his name is, uh, left fielder for the Diamondbacks, the Snakes, is really good, really good. Um, Corbin Allen, that might be his name. they got a bunch of good guys. They've got a Marte, not Starling, but a Marte. Um, they apparently made a trade with somebody, and that really made them good. I, I don't know who it was. You'd think since I had a podcast about baseball, I'd know who that was. Now, let's get to the good part. After the game, which ended around four, we went and watched a little bit of Vinny and Craig finish up their their uh, post-game show. And what do you talk about? My God, this is like a – I told Craig during the break, this is a spring training game and had the excitement of, you know, how do we get the 35th and 40th guy in the game bad? Council kept taking guys in and out, in and out, in and out. No wonder they have. No wonder they, how long are these guys going to last? He gets them up every day. They either get a, they either think they're going to get in or do get in. I don't know. Now, okay, here I go again. Who am I to criticize Craig Council? The guy's probably the longest tenured manager in baseball. He probably makes more than the minimum salary of a major league baseball player, which is pretty good. And, uh, so what do I know? I know nothing. I just like to, I'm not, I don't even, I'm not even controversial, but okay. So we hang out there, the crowd leaves all 31,000 of which there were really 20,000. And we head down on a secret path. We don't get on expressway because we've gained a special knowledge of how to get from Miller Park Fam Field to Ward's House of Prime. And let me tell you, folks, I'm going strong for Brian to be a sponsor. We did a little, well, we did a podcast. We just didn't record it. Brian, Craig Council, and uh, Craig Kashan. Council wasn't there. It was just Craig Kashan, Brian Ward, my beautiful wife, and me having a great dinner and several glasses of wine because we were toasting the beginning of the 80th year of David Earl Nelson. Okay. We had a bottle of Tom Seaver wine. I had a little bit of uh, ghost pine wine, which was pretty good. And we had a little bit of uh, um, steak, lobster bisque. The food there is phenomenal. And uh, he is going to Summerfest. Basically three weeks of 
him operating a booth with 80 other people in his employ to uh, serve the best food at Summerfest. And I think the first guest at Summerfest, James Taylor. And I'd like to go to Summerfest, actually. If I only knew somebody in Milwaukee that could get me in. But anyway, so we had a great time. We talked a lot about Nellie. The staff's all been there since Dave was there. And they all loved him. And so, uh, you know, we had good Nellie vibes going. And um, so that that was fun. Everybody weighed in. All of Nellie's buddies weighed in. Uh, there was even an alleged... Uh, hallucinatory sighting of uh, Nelly. Yeah, my buddy sent me a text and he said, you're not going to believe this, but I was sitting in a, a nice little tavern in Michigan and in walked a guy that had a little goatee and a baseball cap on. He looked like Nelly, kind of walked like Nelly, and he was with a woman that looked like one of Nelly's 45 girlfriends. And uh, they didn't order a drink. They just sat in the back. And when they left, the girl kind of winked at uh, at Tommy. And so we're all sitting there listening to this. And I'm reading the text to everybody. And the hair on the back of our neck is standing up because we, you know, we all believe that there was a Nelly sighting. Can you believe that? Nelly coming back. And if he wasn't back, as Mr. Kashan said on the night that the Brewers did come back and win on his birthday, June 20, he had Craig said that uh, Nelly was looking uh, at the, watching the game from the skybox. And uh, I thought that was pretty good, pretty funny. Anyway, uh, they had, they awarded the Dave Nelson Humanitarian Award to a gentleman who has been very generous with his time and money to help orphanages around the world. And so he and Open Arms and our good friend Bob Sleese are uh, in consultation. I don't know what will happen, but uh, hopefully uh, this gentleman will come down to Kumga, South Africa, and tour the grounds and uh, make a nice donation, which always helps in the operation of Open Arms. So uh, that was fun, and the Brewers always give a nice, healthy contribution to Open Arms on behalf of uh, Dave. And then Craig and Vinny did a nice tribute to Dave. Uh, Nellie's Corner is still alive and well. If you ever go to Miller Park, a.k.a. American Family Field, in the right field corner, just above where Craig does the pregame and postgame, uh, there's a nice plaque of uh, Nellie's and a sign and everything. The Brewers went all out for Dave and uh, still do. And God bless them. They have not shied away from that at all. You know, um, it's it's pretty incredible, and what they did for Dave at the, you know, in, in the latter part of his life, and then in the uh, memorial celebration, and then what Mr. Antonazio did generously, matching the amount of money that was raised in all the other events, including the fifty fifty raffle, big time, big time check. So hats off to Mr. Antonazio, who I think should have a better baseball team and spend more money. But hey, that's the way it is. Um, yeah, when I talked to Robin Jan, I said, Hey, Robin, you know, other than Hank Aaron, you're the, you're the king of the brew. You're the, you're the brewmeister. You're the guy. You're, you won an MVP as a shortstop and an MVP as a center fielder for the crew. You're with the crew your whole career. You're like George Brett, only in Milwaukee. And 
I don't know how they'll do more for you than they did for Dave, but oh my goodness gracious, what a what a fine organization to treat Nelly and his uh, his his memory so nicely. And then I had a chance to talk with Dave's brother. Uh, I call him Brother Dominic. He goes by his uh, email is 007, uh, and he is now Father Dominic. He is a full-fledged priest and uh, doing good. Funniest guy on earth. Oh, my goodness gracious, he just cracks me up. Funny, funny guy. Still funny, even though... He has vows of silence, I guess, in a monastery in Oregon where you, I don't know. How are you funny when you, I'm not going to get into that. Love the guy. Lightning bolt's going to hit me any minute. Um, talk to Nellie's uh, nephew and uh, niece, who he loved dearly and just wanted to make sure they were doing good. And uh, it was kind of fun to catch up with the Nellie, Nellie side of the world. And, uh, you know, everywhere in my office, man, I'm looking I'm looking here at a picture, and I'm going to go grab it, and I'm going to read it to you. Just hold on here a second. It's a great picture in the Rangers locker room with a very young David Earl Nelson and a really young Ferguson Jenkins. And uh, Fergie signed it, wrote a nice note to Dave. So, I mean, that's like it's like the stuff that people did. They, you know, like peanut butter. Everybody loves peanut butter, and everybody loved Nelly. And not that Nellie was anything to do with peanut butter, but I, I don't know why that popped into my mind. So anyway, we're at the halfway point minus a week. The Cubs and the Cardinals are headed to London. They're going to play two games in London. And I love the time zone because the game, the night games in London are on at, one's on at noon and another one's on at one o'clock, I think. So I can stay up and watch those games Saturday and Sunday from Virginia, where I'll be to attend the uh, uh, celebration of another friend's life at uh, Murphy's Bar in Alexandria, Virginia, and then at Arlington Cemetery, where uh, my three-star general friend, Dennis McCarthy, will be laid to rest in the military uh, funeral and 21-gun salute, and I'm looking forward to it. Nobody gets buried there anymore because you either have to be a Medal of Honor winner or multi-stars on your lapel when you got out of the military. So good for the, one of the nicest men in the history of my lifetime, Dennis McCarthy. Anyway, so we're going to do that. Watch the Cubs and get ready for the British Open, which also has a good viewing schedule by my definition. So Will the Cubs stay hot? Will the Reds, who play the Braves this week, stay hot? Will the Giants stay hot? There's some hot teams, and the rest of the teams are just kind of kind of stuck in gear. So it's the halfway point. The All-Star break is coming up in two weeks, and uh, I think we'll have a better idea after July who is going to uh, um, be in the playoffs. Now, that doesn't always tell the story, but it tells a pretty good story. Anywho, that's it from uh, from the studios of On the Lighter Side of Baseball. Uh, we are. This is a spoiler alert. Don't don't tell anybody because I want it to be a surprise when I summarize some of the things we talked about. Uh, I'm having lunch with an owner of a major league team on Tuesday, and I can't divulge who it is right now, but I will once we're done with our meal, 
um, discuss some of his attitudes that he cared to share with me. And he knows we have a podcast, so he's going to, he's not going to mince any words. And I'm a big supporter of his and he knows it. So it'll be interesting to see what he thinks about uh, the prospects that his team has to uh, win the World Series this year. Never set your goals lower than the World Series. That's it. On behalf of Spotify, SoundCloud, and Apple iTunes, and anywhere else you can dig up this podcast, I say have a great day, stripe it down the middle, and we are looking forward to our next podcast. Hopefully we can get somebody else to do it with me. It's always better, huh? All right. Be good, and uh, we will catch up to you in a week.